This is Movie and a Beer, a podcast based in Portland, Oregon, where you can share in our discussion about movies and what beers go best with them. From classic cinema to the latest blockbuster, we all can use a little help figuring out what beers to enjoy in the theater or at home. So listen in and explore with us the vast world of ales and lagers to pair up with your movie experience. All right. Welcome, everybody. My name is Dan Kapersky, and this is Movie and a Beer. Uh, we have with us today... I'm Blake Hunt. I'm Randall. With this wonderful fall weather that we have here in the Pacific Northwest, we've decided to uh, pick out an Oktoberfest beer from Sierra Nevada Brewing. Mm. Uh, it's called Oktoberfest 2019. This is a uh, really interesting beer that I've heard a few things about. They used a special hop blend that they got from Bitburger Brewing in Germany. So I, I'm guessing that this is probably going to be pretty good beer, which you know, we had it and I enjoyed it. Um, fortunately, the movie we selected to watch, not so good. The, the beer absolutely uh, outshone the film, hands down. But yeah. I wanted to ask real fast, so they got the, you said the hops from Germany? like it, It's a proprietary blend Oh, okay, so it wasn't like they shipped them from the country to be like, this is authentic Oktoberfest beer. I mean, or... They probably did. They, they probably awesome. actually got the hops directly from the brewery because it's they didn't. I'm sure they didn't tell them what the secret proprietary blend was. They just, right. here, you guys can use these hops because that's you know the hops that we use and so on and so forth. And make sure to add a little extra love. That's the real secret. I keep giving it away. Yes. Cool, um, that's awesome. So, yeah, we uh, picked this kind of crazy... Not kids movie, but kids movie called Banana Splits, which <laughs> Banana Splits the movie, the movie, Ooh. which is based off of a kids show or a supposed kids show. But Hanna Barbera, I think, was original, the original Hanna Barbera characters. Yeah, wow. Right there was Scooby and Yogi. <laughs> yeah. So talk about the beer first. Let's uh, cover that real quick. I this like is uh, Sierra Nevada Brewing. Uh, they opened back in like 1980 and down in Chico, California, I believe. Now they have like a, over a 200 barrel system, so they pump out a lot of beer. You can uh, this beer was purchased at a local Fred Meyer six pack, not that terribly overpriced, so uh, worthwhile. I would definitely wanted to try it. How many um, how many bottles do you get out of a barrel? <sighs> That's a really good question. Oh, bucks. without going over, I'm going. To, I'm going to say one bottle. I'm going to go prices right rules. Prices right it's, rules. It's a one to not a one to one ratio. It's not the way I, the way I fill my bottles. It is <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Depends on if you're sealing the bottle or just continually filling the bottle and drinking uh, it. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a trick question. Yes, I totally <laughs> did. I definitely did that on purpose. Okay, <laughs> ballpark guess. So uh, you're going to get so a fifth barrel is going to give you close to sixty. And so times that by five, so 200, 200 per half keg, so 400 per keg, so per barrel. I think actually it's probably more than that. How many kegs is a barrel? Eight, I believe. So okay, you so multiply that, so 800 times eight, so 6,400. Oh, is that all? That's all, out of one barrel, yeah. That's cool. 6,400 times 200. And how, how many can these... How many? Uh, how long does it take? Does it happen in the barrel? So the barrel is just a measurement. When you talk about how many barrels does a brewery have, it's a unit of measurement that they've used from Europe. Mm. So it was eight kegs, full size, big kegs, not the half size, which is what people normally see when you see 
at a bar, you'll see someone with a keg mm-hmm. rolling it around. That's actually a half keg. That's not a full keg. Oh. So that's that's the measurement. So you have two of those. Well, so 16 of those come out of In one, one barrel. barrel. Yeah. So, but how long does a beer like this take to make? How long does it have to sit in the barrel for? So aging, I you know, it, it depends on the recipe. It really, if they choose to dry hop it or double hop it or they have a special hop that they used, I didn't see anywhere if this was double hopped or they typically make fall beers in the summertime and then just let them age mm. a little bit in their um, fermentation tanks. And then once they're ready to be put into the barrel, they'll, they'll barrel them. And then those will sit if they're going to, keg it right away out of the barrels or they're going to, you know, keg directly out of the, the uh, fermentation tanks. I mean, there's, it really depends on the beer and the recipe because you can make an Oktoberfest beer many different ways. It's typically a German Martzen style beer is what's used as the base recipe. So I only know of a uh, James Martzen recipe where he said, okay, Cyclops in the X-Men movies. Yeah. Okay, so wait, you said single hop, double hop? What's the difference between, like, what, what's a double hop taste like compared to a single hop? Um, you're going to have, typically with a double hop beer, you're going to, uh, most of the IPAs that are double hopped, if you see a DIPA, that means a double IPA, or it could also mean double hopped, or uh, DD, double dry hopped, is a real popular thing to do out in the Midwest. In Chicago, I was out there earlier this year, and there's a lot of double dry hop beers, so they're doubling the amount of hops that they would normally put into oh, okay. it. That's all that means. They're just doubling the volume of ingredients. Cool. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make it taste better. Uh, it makes it more intense, but it, you know, depending on the style of hops and what flavor profiles they're wanting to accentuate, it could be, you know, anything from really piney to super grassy to whatever. I mean, IPAs tend to have either an East Coast, uh, a New England style, or a West Coast style, and their mm-hmm. hot profiles, those are pretty much the predominant ones right now. Okay. So, Dan, does this sound right? Does it sound right that this beer could be in the barrel for about six months? Yeah, it, it could probably sit for that long without too much problem. It, and Thank you, Google. So they're uh, producing, so like in an average year, they're producing probably two million bottles of this. I'm calculating. If it's in the barrel for six months, then they, can, they have 200 barrels. It's about 1.2 million. That's one run. They have a 200-barrel system. That's one run. Right. They're probably continually running it and making different beers. What they're going to do is stack. Right, right. um, right. So they can not have to change out a lot of the um, ingredients, so they don't have to move a lot of stuff from the warehouse in and out. So they're going to try to -to back-to-back certain beers that, you know, they they don't have to worry about contamination. You're not going to make a sour beer and turn around like the next day and make another beer. You have to clean the equipment. Oh yeah, watch me. Really crazy stuff, from what I've been told. I've I've been to brew houses when they're when they're making beer. I've been through a lot of different ones, and yeah, you'll you'll find anybody who does professionally work in a brewery mm-hmm. as part of the brewer, as as a brewer or assistant brewer, that they're basically janitors. <laughs> the ingredients already fit you know they already know the ingredients they already well, know the recipe yeah. so it's a matter of assembling keeping the ingredients clean, right? and keeping it clean that that ensures right. your consistency in at least the creation of the product are they also janitors in the sense that in high school movies they dole out wisdom at the key point for the quarterback yes to the barrels that are listening yes uh it looks like they, it looks <laughs> like the kids. internet says that uh sierra nevada produces uh 1.25 million bottles per year yeah that's about right. That's a lot. I mean, so it's it's. I mean, it's all a lot, right? Yeah. I can say having lived in Virginia until about a year and a half ago, like that's my cousins would always buy Sierra Nevada. 
but they got it's all over the place. It's a good classic beer. I mean, they, all the, the beers that they make mm-hmm. have always been consistent. Their pale ale kind of set the benchmark, mm-hmm. you know, thirty years ago for pale ales, mm-hmm. and it's been really good. I would imagine they've probably tweaked the recipe a little bit as time has gone. I think so. Hop producers change, you know, hops change. It's a, it's a plant. It doesn't stay consistent year to year. So there's some slight adjustments they have to make as they do the recipes. Uh, be it that this is a collaboration beer with a Bitburger in Germany, they probably are tweaking the recipe just for those hops that they've mm-hmm. got from Bitburger. That makes sense. Cool. So I, on your notes here, you said under the appearance... You have mm-hmm. lots of lace. What? what is, so when you so so I'm gonna show you an burlesque beer. So so what happens when you and I'm gonna blow out this glass that I just grabbed from the table next to us. As you drink your beer, mm. the the foam residue from the head will retain. Okay. It'll stick right. to the glass mm. and create. It'll stick to the glass because there's a lot of proteins and a lot of th- beers that have a little bit higher sugar content tend to have also a lot of proteins that can cause the, the foam to stick around and stick to the side of the glass. And so that's what lacing is. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So it's like, a, I think, wine terms, I would say, like, legs. Correct. Yeah. Oh, is that what legs means? Mm. Okay. So, I, I, so I've been told. Yeah. I, I assumed it was, like, how long it could last. Like, how, you know, your legs carry you for a while. That's oh, yeah, legitimately okay. Okay. a segment of Blake is an idiot. <laughs> so, so a lot of people might have you know, not have heard of Sierra Nevada mm-hmm. prior to last year, they had out in California, this big thing called the campfire and it destroyed mm-hmm. a lot of people's properties oh, and yeah. homes and people died. Sierra Nevada was directly affected by that. I know that some of their uh, employees lost homes. So in order to help out, they created a campfire relief fund. You'll see this beer called resilience IPA. I have seen that. And Resilience, it's no longer out there. You can still find breweries that had made it, but uh, over 1,400 breweries across the U.S. and the world made a version of Resilience IPA. They took the base recipe. All of the ingredients were donated by the various green producers and hop producers. Everything was donated, and then all of the proceeds from the beer went to the Campfire Fund. That is awesome. So That's so cool. The professional brewers out there, I, I made a version of it as a home brewer just to try it out. And it was, it was a traditional West Coast, old school IPA. It was really good. Uh, I did a tasting um, at one of the Oregon Brew Crew meetings. We brought in about 12 or so different versions of it, including people having home brewed it and brought in cakes, as well as commercial cakes from different breweries around town and all over the area. And we just... Part of the meeting was to talk about, you know, what happens when you take one recipe and tweak it a little bit. Cool. And using slightly different yeast or using, you know, approach approaching the beer a little differently. Like, say, I want to make a sour out of it. Like, what happens when you take this recipe and turn it into a sour beer? So it was really interesting to learn about. Uh, Sierra Nevada, I mean, I applaud them for having raised the money and, and surviving what happened in California last year. This Oktoberfest beer, really good. Uh, medium bodied. It's got some carbonation to it that's n- the typical to Martzen styles. They're going to be higher carbonated. Martzen's are similar to what, an American Amber Ale. But that's they probably why I like it. Yeah, it's it's a I pretty like traditional beer. It's not too crazy. It does have a little bit of hot bitterness to it, but not a lot. There's more of a traditional German earthy you got a little vegetal flavor 
hop cone resins, as oh, you, right. you might have heard me say before. So it's going to have just a real traditional taste. It's going to taste like beer. It's, well, it certainly does. I really liked it. I took a sip and thought, I, I don't know why I always think, like, maybe I just associate Oktoberfest stuff with, like, pumpkin-flavored stuff. I'm always, like, iffy on pumpkin. So I was drinking this, like, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens, and sip. Ooh. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. The unfortunate thing was the movie we picked didn't really have anything to do with this beer, but I'm glad we had the beer. So any other thoughts on the beer? No, it was delicious. I loved it. I mean, I would drink that any October or September. You know what? Let's I mess, drink it all the time. Let's mess around and drink it in November. Yeah. Let's be yeah. let's go crazy. Let's do it. So let's be bad. So I, I would suggest not necessarily getting a six pack and leaving it in your fridge for eight months. Mm. I would not do yeah, that. Don't save them for April. <laughs> don't, don't save them till the summer or the spring. You, you just drink them, buy them and drink them. Save them for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a month, but don't long term try to store this. I wouldn't go there. So really it's like if you see it, if you have the opportunity to get it, go ahead and grab it. Yeah, I'd like, grab it. What am I gonna pick? Ooh. Okay. Yeah, it's actually really good. This is one of the better Oktoberfest beers that I've had in recent memory. So the label's great. It looks it looks properly uh, Oktoberfest. Bavarian like it's very yeah, Bavarian, Bavarian blue and white with the checkered. It's got a little castle on the little sticker at the top. Mm-hmm. It's even got the Bitburger logo, which is kind of amazing. That yeah, they Sierra Nevada that. above got the name and the Bitburger. I like it. All right, so uh, at this point, if we had a commercial to insert, this is where we would insert it. Okay, now that we're back, uh, let's pick it up. Randall, what are your thoughts on this wonderful movie that we watched? I know mm-hmm. I know you want to just tear it apart. In no, case, you know, in case I, you um, skip to right now. I <laughs> wanted to hate it from the get-go, because it's not a genre. A uh, film that I would normally normally watch, but I, you know, I, I, I turned off the inner critic, and I said, okay, what were the directors and writers trying to do with this movie? Mm-hmm. And um, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Success. I think it was a. I think it was just kind of an exercise in like poking, you know, fun at a, a genre through the lens of horror. Um, you know, it kind of felt like a. You know, what if you know Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was really a horror film about kids watching TV? Or I, I just had that really. You know, I, it reminded me of Willy Wonka a lot, and uh, it was pretty cliche. It was. It was really cliche. It reminded me of like killer clowns from outer space. Like yeah. the special effects were really bad. Yeah. The the physical special effects, like the blood and the gore and the guts, were you could tell it was super fake. Yeah. They didn't put Absolutely a lot of money into this film. And even some of the, you know, flamethrower stuff was like like not flamethrower, but there were flames that were produced <laughs> and it was so fake. It was pretty fake. Yeah. A movie like this really wants me to I would dig into like the reviews of the people who loved it, though. I really would. I really want to understand who is this film really for? Because obviously, it's not for me. I just didn't get it. It might be for me. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I really liked it. Great. It like it really like. I'll cover the beer thing. It did not go with the beer at all. Whereas like other movies where I drink and watch, I'm like, yes, yeah, really compliments it really well. I'm enjoying the movie. This flavor in my mouth was enhancing my watching. This is great. I'm marrying the senses. This is like if I went to the opera and ate a cheeseburger, but in reverse. You'd be distracted. I'd <laughs> be like, cheeseburger. like, oh, it's cheeseburger. Yeah. Like, boy, oh, this, what? why is it? Why did I keep this for four hours? It's cold now. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, is nice, but the cheese is all congealed. No, I this movie was wild. It put a bunch of different genres. Like, it kind of threw spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> like bloody, amazing, weird spaghetti. Yeah. And it, it, this came out this year. Yeah. It it had to be inspired by Five, five Nights at Freddy's that ridiculously terrible 
jump scare video game that kids love so much. Yeah. Because that's about, like, animatronics that go crazy. And that was the gist of it. You have, you have these animatronic creatures that their creator decided to uh, program them in a way that, you know, the show must go on, and the show got canceled, so the robots went crazy in real life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I would do. Not even with robots. Yeah, 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 and that's the thing. It's it's fairly not believable from the standpoint of reality. It is definitely a fantasy film that is in a horror lens. And again, like I, I, we timed out. When is the first horror scene going to happen? It was like twenty five minutes. It was like twenty five minutes in, and this is only like an hour and a half movie. So it's kind of like they and the few scenes that they did have were they weren't surprises. You knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really have to pay that much attention to the film. I mean, it was if you're a fan of kids' TV shows and had watched them as a kid, and and you had your favorites like the Teletubbies or whatever. Yeah, actually, if you did watch the actual Banana Splits cartoon, that this is as IMD put it, extremely loosely based on. Yeah, like it might be a fun watch. It, I again, I dug it. I kept calling out horror tropes, and some of them were right, some of them were wrong. It's like, okay, I can dig that. They like, really, I think the beer to pair with this. Would be like a twelve pack of something that costs seven ninety nine at most for twelve yeah. beers. Yeah, just pounding it, like having it out in the background, pounding brews with your buds, being like, "Whoa, look at that old red! Oh, crazy!" Basically, what Dan and I were doing. <laughs> yeah, we we were we were, high, we were talking about the film as we were watching it, and it was quite amusing in some of the scenes. And I was like, "I called it, yeah!" And you called it. The kid had a. Uh, Wand that acted like a... Ch- Chekhov's wand, yeah. we'll, say. we'll say. He he had a wand that extended, and it had like a mace ball on the end. It was kind of like, that's not really a wand, that's you a know, weapon. You know, I think you give a child a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, it's your fifth birthday, here's a samurai sword. And, and Blake called it immediately, he said, somebody's going to die. But somebody actually did die, but not with that weapon. They took out one of the robots with it, which was awesome. The yeah. mom went all Sarah Connor and grabbed a pipe wrench and started smacking on the animatronics to save the kids. I'm not saying the beer was wasted, but it was definitely like, voice is really good. This movie's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't, you can't win really them good. all. We, the, you I, know I, what? The beer elevated the movie a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate, you know, we're, we're finishing up what we have in our bottles, and it's, it is a nice beer. Unfortunately, not the greatest movie in the world to watch with it. A decent schlocky horror. Yeah. I think, I think it's October. I, um, Fall down some rabbit holes and try to oh, see yeah. if I can understand why somebody might like this movie. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just not getting it, and that excites me. The fact that I might read something on the internet is going to blow my mind, and it's going to fall into my top ten movies of all time. All right, I'm putting $10 down that next time we meet, Randall's going to have, like, a cork board with, like, string attached to everything. A like, chart. I think it makes sense, man! A Venn diagram of how this is the greatest movie of all time. All right, so that brings us to the end of this episode of Movie and a Beer. My name's Ian Kapersky. We have Randall. Randall. Also Blake. And also Blake. And thank you all for listening. And as always, thing you want to do is hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Yes. We, we were drinking water while we were drinking mm-hmm. this wonderful beer and watching this really this bad film. 6.0% yes. beer, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not that high in alcohol. It's nice. It's got a little sweetness on the back and everything. So thank you for listening and joining us today on this wonderful podcast of Movie and a Beer. And as always, the opinions expressed during the taping of this podcast are those of the hosts. The show must go on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Awesome. Thanks for listening. This has been Movie and a Beer. Stay tuned for future episodes and features to be added to our website and podcast. 
And please remember to drink responsibly and hydrate, hydrate, hydrate.